Hey y'all, have you ever wished your life was better and feel like you've tried a million things but just can't quite seem to get it there? Me too. In fact, I spent more than three decades searching for ways to make my life better, but nothing lasted until I finally found the missing piece. I'm Stacy Danford, an educational neuroscientist obsessed with helping you understand how your brain is the secret ingredient to achieving a better life. Come join me for a mental makeover. Okay, so tonight is part three in Confidence Camp and learning how to have more self-esteem and be more confident with your brain, not just with yourself and how you feel. And I know a lot of times that seems counterintuitive. We think we have to do more things in order to be more confident, but that's actually not true. Because if you don't change the belief system in your own brain, then you can do all of the things, but it's not going to change your brain. And your brain's belief bias is running deep throughout your brain. If you think about it, like kind of like your spinal cord, like it's running throughout your whole brain and your belief system is the most powerful thing in your head. And no amount of evidence that someone else shows you will ever change your belief bias. Only you can change it. And that's really important to know um, because people that, you know, take classes and go to seminars and, you know, all the Tony Robbins jumping in the world, is not going to change your belief bias if you don't change it yourself. So that's why I love neuroscience, because I feel like understanding your brain is the secret missing ingredient to understand why you believe what you do. And then you can change that instead of just taking more classes and doing more things and all the stuff, you know, Weight Watchers and everything. We think, oh, this will be the key. And it never seems to last in the long run, because if we don't change what's going on in here, then it doesn't last long term. Okay, so I hope going all the way back to um, lesson number one, that everybody's been working on their list of 20 things they like about themselves, because that is the most important. Because if your brain's identity of self is skewed to, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have the right degrees, I don't have the right credentials, I'm not the right size, I'm not the right shape, I'm not the right color, I'm not the right religion, I'm not the right whatever, then it doesn't matter what you do if those are your beliefs and those are your thoughts. That's why I always give that that assignment as number one, know 20 things you like about yourself and tell your brain those 20 things every day until you let it soak in. And it seems like that's like, oh, that's not going to do anything. (laughs) But it's really the most simple actions that you can take that change the wiring in your brain. And always remember that action alters brain function. If there's no action involved, 
you can almost bet your life that there's going to be no change involved because action is the only thing that will truly alter how your brain works. Okay. So does anybody have all their 20 things done? See, there we go. I'm glad I reminded you of that assignment. <laughs> I missed the first one, so I didn't know that. Though, thank you for okay. repeating it. You're welcome. Good. Okay, Pat, we're going to give you a pass on that because <laughs> it is truly, it is the biggest game changer you can do for yourself is to change the way you think about yourself. Because if I ask people to tell me 20 things they don't like about themselves, Oh, they could tell me that in, you know, probably 15 minutes. You could name off 20 things I don't like. I don't like my butt. I don't like my nose. I don't like my hair. I don't like my house. I don't like my car. I don't like my people, whatever it is. I don't like my shoes. People can just boop, 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 name off 20 things they don't like about themselves. But we are not trained to think of what we like about ourselves, especially anybody who's over the age of about 40 you were just taught, you know, don't toot your own horn, don't be bragging, don't say that, you know, be seen and not heard, all of those things that kind of get brainwashed into our lives, especially anybody of a different ethnicity or different religion, a different lifestyle, those things are all brainwashed in, oh, yay, Grace said she has her list, but she's babysitting. Okay, I'm so proud of you, Grace. Forgetting your 20 things, because we have got to understand our brain is listening to us, whether we're speaking or not. It's always listening and it's always connecting your silent thoughts, not the ones you say out loud, not the ones you write in your journal, but the silent thoughts that you would even never say out loud. Your brain is listening. And it's connecting every single one of them at all times of the day, even when you are asleep. Your brain is working even when you're sleeping. Sad. And the way self-esteem works is, remember, we talked about that in lesson one, too, how self-esteem is different than confidence, is self-esteem is internal. It's who I am as a person. Confidence is about a specific skill or a specific activity. Like I'm not very confident in my baseball ability, <laughs> but that's different than self-esteem where you say, I don't feel like I'm good enough, or I don't feel like I'm smart enough, or I don't feel like I'm lovable, or all the things that people feel who they are as a person. And if you want that to change, you've got to take control of those little silent thoughts that are happening inside here. Because truthfully, we say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. We would never say it out loud, even to sometimes people we don't like. We would not be as cruel to them as we are to ourselves. And if you think about how many times a day you're cruel to yourself, most of the time, each time you walk past a mirror, that's when we tend to berate ourselves and we catch a glimpse of ourselves in the mirror and we're like, oh my gosh, what are you, what are you doing? Why didn't you fix your hair today? What do you got going? What are those clothes? Put that in the Goodwill box. Don't ever wear that again. Have you seen yourself in that shirt? You look like a fat frog. Stop that. <laughs> you know, all the, 
the little spiral that's going on inside your head. So that's what lesson three is about is looking in the mirror. And we're going to talk about the truth of what's happening when we look in the mirror and then how can you change that? But number one, most important thing is go back to lesson one and write your 20 things. Even if you just have to take, you know, 30 minutes and just sit there, you can ask friends, you can ask family members, hey, tell me three things about what are your favorite three things about me? Ask your kids, ask your coworkers, whatever. What are three things you like about me? And then you're like, oh, yeah, I like that about me, too. It'll help kind of give you some ideas. Then if you really feel powerful, add some more and go up to 50 things you like about yourself. I still have my original list and I look at it now and I remember how hard it was for me to do that. And it took me forever to write that many things I liked about myself. And it makes me sad now that I love myself to look back and go, wow, wow, you were so cruel to yourself and you spent decades feeling all those ugly things about you. Because here's what the newest research is showing about how our identity affects us is that you will never override what's going on in your own head. And what I mean by that is your personal belief about you, how you are, is is really the most powerful influence in your life. And it doesn't matter if your mother tells you you're beautiful or your husband or your friends or your children or your niece or your nephew, any of those people, if they tell you you are wonderful, but you don't believe you are, then it is not sinking in. And we think, oh, they're just being nice. Or we think, oh, that one great thing I did, that was just a fluke. Or we many times think, oh, if they knew the real me, well, I've got to keep it hidden. I've got to keep the face on, the front on, because if they knew the real me, this wouldn't go well. So here's what the data is showing, is we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Let me say that again. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And that's pretty sad and scary. So if we feel threatened, if we feel less than, if we feel like a loser, if we feel fat and ugly and frumpy and dumpy, we see the world through that perspective. That is how we see the world. If we see the world as the the girl that was so almost, I was so almost pretty. I was so almost smart. I was so almost successful. I was so almost organized. And my daughter uses that phrase all the time. It kind of started when she was in college and they would say that about people. She's just so almost. (laughs) And it was kind of a cut down. And I was like, oh my gosh. But that's how we see ourselves Mm -hmm. as being so almost. And I want everybody to take a second and think about how you would feel, feel the rest of that phrase in. I'm so almost blank. I'm so almost 
talented, successful, fit, organized, whatever it is. Think for a second and fill that in. I'm so almost fun. Oh, Zanika. And I think you're so fun. Anybody else want to put one in the chat or you can unmute and tell us if you want to. I'm so almost together. That's a great one. I just so almost have it together. I'm so almost organized. Let's see, Leah. Let me see if you, I can unmute you. Did it work? Oh, unmute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can. I can't. I don't know how to do the chat. I need to learn how. Um, I put. I'm. I'm so almost complete. Ooh, that's a good mm. one. Wow, that was powerful. Yeah. Yes. And I saw somebody else say, I'm so almost creative. That happens a lot with people that are kind of artistic too, and they can't call themselves an artist. And they're just so almost, I'm almost there. I'm almost at my ideal weight. I'm almost, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm so almost successful. I almost have everything it takes, but I need one more degree. I need one more certification. I need one more training. I need one more diet plan. That is a great reflection of what's going on inside your brain. And it's also reflecting how you see the world. Because I'm going to say that phrase again. The world is not as it is. It's how you are. And if you are broken, if you are feeling betrayed and belittled and all the things we feel, that is your lens through which you see the entire world. And it's really important to talk to your brain because if you don't talk to your brain, your brain will talk to you. The problem is it says what it always said, which is you're not enough. You're not lovable. You're not smart. You're not pretty. You're not all the things. So that is really important data that has come to the forefront now, understanding that how those silent thoughts are creating, they're just permeating every connection in your brain, all of them. Okay, because it's normal, especially as women, to care about what you look like. And I would be lying if I said, oh, you know, just go through life and be yourself. I mean, of course, we have to also function in society. And, you know, you just can't wear your pajamas to the, you know, your child's concert. I mean, I guess you could, but obviously people are going to go, does she not know it's not bedtime? And, you know, the little things like we have to care about what we look like. We have to care about how we function in the world. But when it becomes your most dominant thought in the mirror, that is a sure sign that it's impacting your mental health. If every single time you walk past the mirror, you're like, oh, my God, you're getting so old. Oh, my gosh, you've gained weight. Oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you? Stand up straight. Cut your hair. You've got to have a makeover. What is wrong with you? Look at your cellulite. Blah, 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 blah. If you think that every time you walk past the mirror and and actually make eye contact with yourself, 100% hands down, it's affecting your mental health. If you just occasionally look at yourself and go, wow, I I don't really look good in purple. 
that's different than every time you walk past the mirror going, you're, you almost have it together, but you are just missing so much. It's very different. So look at your most dominant thought. And that's telling you where your brain's identity is focusing. Because remember, too, in, in lesson one, we talked about how your identity or the filtering system of your brain, the reticular activating system, it's like the glasses that your brain has on. And it's letting all of this be affected by what glasses you're wearing. So if your glasses are, you're not good enough, you're so almost, then everything you see is through the lens of you're so almost, you're just almost organized, but you always screw it up right at the end. You're so almost put together, but you never finish anything. You know, you don't like listen to all of those voices that happen over and over and over because here's the truth. And we all know it. We're not made the same. We don't have the same muscle structure. We don't have the same hair color, eye color, face shape, body mass. We're not made the same, but yet somehow women hold themselves to a standard. And then when we don't meet it, we start berating ourselves. We start the self-loathing and the really and truly the standard that most people have set for themselves is 5% of the population, five. And the other 95% are holding themselves to a 5% standard, even though we know we come from different parts of the world, different states, different backgrounds, and Somehow this is where we judge ourselves. Are we better than, less than what's going on in here? So how you see yourself in the mirror when you walk by, what is your dominant thought is the one that we're going to work on tonight because how you see yourself in the mirror matters. And it's so much more important than people realize because it is permeating all of yourself. And truthfully, If going to the gym every day would make you happy, there'd be people all over the world that are just beaming with joy. I know a lot of people who work out every single day who are miserable, miserable. They still think they're fat. They still think they're ugly. Um, Why do you think it is that we judge ourselves on that 5%? Okay, that's such a great question because... That is the 5% that the movies portray, that especially old when all we had was television and movies. And that was the standard that, you know, you're supposed to be blonde hair, blue eyed, 26, 34, 30, you know, whatever those measurements used to be. And that was the standard for good people. Even in the world of religion, if your standard is the Psalms 31 woman, you're never going to measure up to this very day. That woman makes me mad. I cannot stand her. (laughs) And I was raised in church and I do not like that woman because I, as somebody who's loud and, and, you know, I'm just a lot, I never measured up. I'm not quiet. I'm not in the Mary and Martha thing. I, I was all, I would have been the worker. I would have been going, Mary, what the heck are you doing? Get up and help me in the kitchen. I'd still do that to this day. And I used to hate myself because I'm not like that. 
I'm not quiet. I'm not ladylike. I'm not prim and proper. And that was the standard, especially for somebody who was raised in church, that I always held myself to, that I never measured up to. So I, I was, you know, started off behind the eight ball at the very beginning because I am not that person and I never will be. I, I used to look at people who were really sweet and ladylike and their shirt stayed tucked in and their hair stayed in place and all of those things. And I, I just can't measure up. I just, I truly cannot measure up to that. And I always felt bad that that wasn't who I was. Now I look at it and I'm like, oh, we were all created different for a reason on purpose. Oh, I'm not supposed to be like that. And I've accepted who I am as a different type of person. So I think that is the reason that we hold ourselves to specific standards. And in families, there's also other standards, you know, like maybe your family has a standard where everybody's supposed to go to or everybody is supposed to, you know, be size six or whatever. Families have standards as well that people feel like they don't measure up to. So it's really important to look at that and understand, oh, wow, what is it about me that I feel like I don't measure up? And do I really want to measure up to that? Do I really want to be quiet and ladylike? And, and, and I'll look at the gifts that I have, especially as a teacher for 25 years, I was supposed to talk a lot and I'm supposed to talk loud because that's what I do for a living. And that's what I did as a teacher. And my voice would carry across a room. And I've always been super caring and I've always been a hard worker. I was supposed to be the Martha. And, you know, when I'm quiet and I sit and I drink my coffee, I'm kind of Mary-ish. But the rest of the time, I'm pretty Martha-ish. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing all the stuff. And I'm no longer going to apologize for not meeting a standard that was not meant for me. 